Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Our expectations get in the way of most of what God wants to do in our lives. We think it would be best if God did what we think he should do instead of doing what he knows is best. Um, well-known biblical characters were no exception in this, and today we're going to talk about um, John the Baptist and a little encounter uh, that he had while he was in prison. So before we get into the word, let's pray. Father, um, you know our hearts as we sit here. You know what we need to hear so that we don't become people that um, let our expectations rule uh, and declare who you are and who you want. So, Lord, I pray that you would challenge our heart to be settled on your kingdom come, your will be done. Not ours, yours. So, Lord, as we go through this encounter, this conversation sent by messengers between John the Baptist and Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. That you would help us be people that worship you um, at any place, in any time, regardless of the circumstances, because you are still king and you are still leading us um, to good things. Lord, give us eyes to see. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So John the Baptist was no exception to this rule. Um, and I think he, out of everyone, is probably the most, like, most unlikely to have this moment. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead into that. So Isaiah prophesied about John the Baptist 700 years before his birth. His birth was a miracle. His parents were barren. Uh, his father was a Levitical priest in the temple. The angel of Gabriel showed up, had a conversation with him, told him that they're going to have a son, prophesied who this son was going to be and what he was going to do. And then uh, his father doubted. And he was like, how is this going to be? Um, and the angel Gabriel said, I stand in the presence of the Lord. Like, come on, dude. Like, I come from God, I give you a message, and you're worried about how we're going to produce this? And all the things that you know, this is the priest, he knows the miracles, he knows what God has the capacity to do. And um, the angel closed his vocal cords for all nine months of that pregnancy. And then when he comes out, uh, his wife says, we're going to name him John, and all the friends and family are like, we don't have anybody in our family named John, why are we doing this? And the first words he speaks is like, he will be named John. The same baby was filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. And he spends 31 years of his life out in the desert preparing for this moment. Not in comfort, eating locusts and honey and wrapped in camel hair, which I don't know about you, I don't have a lot of camel hair suits in my uh, wardrobe, but I would think it's very uncomfortable. It wasn't lace. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't in the courts of kings. He was out in the desert and he rolls up and begins to call people to repentance and he would baptize them into repentance. They were coming out of the droves 
declaring their sin and repenting of it and being baptized into that repentance. He declared, I'm, I'm not the one. But the one that's coming after me is going to be greater than me. I, I, don't even, I'm not, I don't even deserve to untie his sandals. And then Jesus walks into the scene right before he gets baptized. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God come to take away the sins of the world. And he baptized him, which we talked about the after last week. He gets baptized by John the Baptist. He comes out of the water, the dove of the Holy Spirit, which we don't... It, was this the dove? Was this the angel? What, what, was, what did they see? But they saw something, a power encounter. Literally, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. They hear an audible voice that says, This is my son who I'm well pleased. John the Baptist, from birth, was made for this moment. What was prophesied from him, at which we're going to read in just a second, declared what he was going to do. What he was there to prepare the way for Christ. And then one day, like many Christians today, he sees something that's bad. <laughs> he sees the king of the area who, this is, I don't even know how this story happened, but he took his brother's wife. Could you imagine that family dynamic? Could you imagine the you know, birthday celebrations after that? He was like, hey, I like your wife. I'm going to take her to be my wife. And John the Baptist wasn't afraid to say something, and he said something, and that, set, that statement landed him in jail. And this is where we're going to pick up our story. John the Baptist is in jail with the high likelihood that he will be executed for what he did and what he said. So we're going to pick this up in uh, Luke 7, and right before Luke 7, because he's going to say the disciples of John reported all these things to him, all these things. So Jesus just raised a, a, a young man from the grave, like, or from the, the, bar, the buyer, the, um, the caskets being carried down the road. He speaks him to life. He comes back to life right before that. He also speaks healing over the centurion's son from afar. And so John the Baptist's disciples have seen these miraculous things, and they're telling John the Baptist these things. And then John the Baptist sends his disciples to have a conversation. So we're picking up an 18. It says, the disciples of John reported all these things to him, and John called his two disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one to come, or shall we look for another? Remember all the things that we just went through. I mean, out of every single person that Jesus encountered in his earthly ministry, John the Baptist should be the most firm in his understanding of who Jesus was. And here from prison, John is sending his disciples to say, are you the guy? Or is there going to be someone else? And the men came um, to him and said, John, the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one to come or shall we look for another? Why is John saying this? A little bit earlier in Luke, you have this recorded um, talking about Jesus. This is in Luke um, 3, verse 17. It says, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing fork floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff will be burned with unquenchable fire. 
John the Baptist was expecting, like everyone else, that Jesus was come to set up an earthly rule and reign. And he said, like, this, this is his expectation. And now he's sitting in prison waiting for this to happen. So he's thinking because he had an expectation of who Jesus was and what Jesus was going to do. Why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you what I thought you were going to be? And I don't think, you know, we've all been in places like this. And this is kind of, this is why I want to talk about this morning. I'm sure you have lots of things to think about when you're sitting in prison. And this isn't like three squares and, you know, warm, heated and cooled. This, I'm sure their jail prison was quite different from our experience if you get arrested here in the county and go to county lockup. And I'm sure sitting there thinking to himself, like, I've been obedient to you for all these years. Never married. I would say every bit of his life was wholly devoted to God. Lived in the wilderness, ate bugs and honey. And honey's great. But like, I don't know about you, but like, I'm not looking forward to going home and eating my locusts and honey. And I'm sure to himself he's thinking, God, I've done everything that you've asked me to do. And now I'm sitting here in prison, in jail. For you, for standing up for what is right. Verse 21 says, in that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed uh, the sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. Jesus tells John's disciples to tell him what they saw. They witnessed the power of God to heal, and they saw literally prophecies lived out by those actions. Isaiah 61, 1, Jesus rolled the scroll, and he read this and said, In the hearing of this, you, you see the fulfillment. Like, listen to this. It says in verse 1, Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound. Like, they're seeing the physical manifestations, the power of the Messiah worked out in front of their very own eyes. And then he says this, this in 23. And blessed is the one who is not offended because of me. You will be offended by something that God requires of you in your lifetime. You probably are now. You probably, like John the Baptist, have things in your life going, if God loved me, this wouldn't have happened. I've done, and some of us are like the elder brother waiting on the outside of the party, looking in, going, God, I've done everything right, which is just a sham. Let me just tell you, if any part of your world and your life comes through the dialogue internally that says, I've done everything right and everything should be given to me because I've done everything right, you are lying to yourself. No one in this room has done everything right. But blessed is the one who is not offended by me, by Jesus. 
Jesus is going to offend a lot of people by what he did on the cross. But like truthfully, the reason we're still talking about this today, one, it's God in movement, but two is because he went to the cross. We wouldn't have the opportunity that we have right now if there was no cross. Nothing was going to stop him from the cross. See, don't miss out on Jesus because he isn't doing what you want him to do. That's Christianity. We, we have been lied to. You have been lied to. A lot. Maybe it's on TikTok, maybe it's on Instagram, maybe it's a YouTube video, maybe it's a church that you've been to. But somewhere, some way, there's lots of people out there. Uh, so sometimes it's called the prosperity gospel. But we, we've bit into this lie that if you give your life to God, everything's going to be good. If you give your life to God, your finances are going to be secure. If you give your life to God, it, all illnesses will be gone. That's a lie. Can God still heal? Absolutely. Does he heal every single person? No. Why? I don't know. Well, truthfully, every one of his children will experience a complete healing in the moment that we are face to face with him for eternity. This is light and momentary. Whatever you're going through right now is light and momentary. I know it doesn't feel like that, but we're talking about eternity against maybe a hundred years in this world. Eternity. Don't miss out on Jesus because he's not doing what you want him to do. Pick up my cross, follow me. There, there's nothing about that as easy or light. And, and he may mess with your finances. You may be like John that end up in prison because you do the right thing. And I believe potentially in our lifetime that will be the plight of many believers. When we stand on the truth, and I don't mean like being belligerent. I, I think these street preachers that yell at people, you know, I'm not a fan I'm into relational ministry. Let's preach the gospel to people through our lives and through our words, and then let's do life with them. Side side note. Back in. Verse 24. And this is important. When John's messengers were gone. So John's messengers come. They said, hey, are you the one? Or should John expect another? Because they believed that he was a prophet of God, which... Jesus is going to verify here in just a second. And they leave going, hey, we saw him do these things. Like we saw with our eyes him do these things in front of us. And, and I'm sure that day God loaded on the miracles so that when they went back, there was no doubt about who Jesus was to John. But when they were gone, when no one would say, oh, he's saying these things just so Pete, John will hear it so he'll encourage it. John may have heard this through someone else, but his two messengers were gone. He didn't hear this from his messengers, what Jesus was getting ready to say. Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out to the wilderness to see? Because they went to him. They were like called. And I think this is partly what revival looks like or should look like. They went out to the desert to repent of their sin. If there's not repentance for sin, there isn't revival. Because that, that's, 
That's what Jesus comes to do. You know, and I'm into signs and wonders. Do not get me wrong. But if repentance of sin isn't part of it, then we've missed the mark. So he said, what did they go out through wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind, which if you get this picture, like if you ever seen a reed in the windstorm, like yesterday when it was pretty windy, you had a reed out by uh, the swamp area. What, when the wind hits it, it goes back and forth and back and forth. And he's saying, did you go see that? No, because John wouldn't be in prison if he was a reed that was like, oh, I'm going to say it this way this day and I'm going to say something else the other day. No. It says, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who dress in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. Okay, this is an important statement. Notice this. In the eyes of Jesus, John's identity didn't change because of his doubt. Jesus didn't in that moment go, oh, shame on John, like he's done so good. In this moment, his identity for who he is wasn't changed by this momentary lapse. See, he was more than a prophet. All the other prophets spoke hundreds of years into the future of what was going to happen. John spoke it as it was happening. So he wasn't just prophesying something that, well, hundreds of years after he's dead, it's coming to fruition like we see in Isaiah or Malachi. He's speaking it literally as it is happening. Verse 27. This is he whom is written. So he's going to clarify to the crowd. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. So this is directly out of Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. It says, Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. 400 years before this happened, Malachi spoke these words about John the Baptist. And Jesus is verifying who John the Baptist is. There's no doubt in Jesus' mind who he is. Then verse 28, it says, I tell you, among those born of woman, none is greater than John. Listen to this. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. I'm going to explain that in just a second. When all the people heard this, and I love this, when all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too. It's like when all the people heard it, and these hooligans that we don't like, when they heard it too, it's like it's the least of these. He wants to make sure that when all the people, including the tax collectors, they declared God just having been baptized with the baptism of John. So those around in this moment have experienced the baptism of John. They, they know about John. And here Jesus is saying, hey, he is greater. And then he says this statement that says, yet one of the least of these in the kingdom of God is greater than he. What is he talking about? John the Baptist never saw the fulfillment. His head was off his shoulders before Jesus went to the cross. 
before the resurrection, before the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. So what he's saying is, is those in this room that have the full understanding of what God did on the cross and have the Holy Spirit living inside them, you are greater than John the Baptist because he lived preparing people for the thing that he never got to experience. Verse 30. It says, but the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. See, the one group that was waiting, preparing, planning, studying, faithfully obeying God missed Jesus, the Messiah that they were waiting faithfully for. They missed the prophet that was preparing the way. I mean, when they went out to um, witness, because if you see this all throughout the Gospels, those that are reading the Gospels right now, um, you see this all throughout the Gospels. The Pharisees and Sadducees, they're always there. They're literally following Jesus around, not because they're worshiping him, not because they think, oh, man, this is the Messiah. They're there to, like, report. They're, they're, they're note takers. Oh, he said... He just said that he'll forgive someone's sin. Oh, you're going to go to hell for that one? Um, he, he, they're writing these things down. So they were there overseeing, looking at the baptism. And John the Baptist, I love this man. He was like, oh, you brood of vipers. Who told you to come out and repent? They weren't repenting. He sees exactly who they are and declares it to them. But the ones, the Pharisees and the lawyers, rejected the purpose of God. Verse 31, now he's going to say these next few verses in relationships to the religious leaders. Verse 31, it says, to what then shall we compare the people of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. What is he talking about? See, he's comparing the Pharisees and the lawyers and the people of this generation to children that are playing games in the marketplace. They weren't doing a celebration. They were playing celebration songs and people weren't celebrating with them. They weren't doing, a, you know, and they were singing a dirge, which is like a a wedding. I mean, sorry, not a wedding song, like a funeral song. And you didn't cry, but it wasn't a real wedding or a funeral. It wasn't a celebration Or that, they were playing a game. And he compared them to that, that you guys are just playing around, that you're missing the king as he comes on the scene. You're just going through the motions. Which is one thing that you'll hear me say and hear over and over and over again. And I believe part of the reason God has put me in the city and God has called me part of my ministry uh, is to awaken those that play with Christianity. Because that was me. And to some extent, it's still me sometimes. Because it's easier to play with the things of God than it is to follow God. It's easier to do the things that seem like, hey, I've got my life together. Look at me on Sunday morning. I'm here. I've got a name tag on. Well, mine's hanging over there. Um... You know, that I'm doing these things. Hey, I'm serving in kids' ministry. And like, uh, hands off um, to those that have stepped up to 
fill gaps in, um, you know, like hands off to those that have stepped up. We even got a few dudes from our announcement. I think we've got two or three guys that are now serving their kids ministry. Yes. Now, praise the Lord, but that won't get you to heaven. That's not going to make you officially who God. I mean, that's as close to like, you know, as you can get, but it's not the thing. It's close. But I don't want us to pretend. I don't want us to go through the motions. I want to call people into his kingdom say that regardless of what tomorrow brings, regardless of what's taken away from me, God is good enough for me to follow. God is good enough for me to lay my life down over and over again. Verse 33, it says, For John the Baptist came eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you said he has a demon. And the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend to tax collectors. Those poor tax collectors, they get the worst. A friend to tax collectors and sinners. How would you like to, whatever your profession is, to be in the list when they want to talk about bad people And they're only going to list two things. They say sinners in your job. (laughs) But that's what's going on here. I think Luke wanted to make sure that he understood the gospel was for everybody. Verse 35. It said, yet wisdom is justified by all her children. See, we don't want to just play games. My fear um, 22 years I've been doing this, uh, not at this church. We planted this church. Uh, September will be 11 years old. Before that, I did uh, nine and a half years of youth ministry. And, and my 21, 22 years of ministry, my, my, my most fearful thought is that people would have heard the gospel and heard me and been convinced that they loved Jesus but didn't. One of the reasons why I don't do a big, like, let's raise your hand and let, you know, I'm going to preach the gospel and I'm going to invite people to say yes to Jesus, to enter into the journey. But, like, I want to make sure that we're continuing on that journey. I want to make sure, like, that Christianity isn't an acknowledgement of our sin, an acceptance of Jesus, and then leave it there. Christianity is those two things and then following. Now, the following doesn't save you, but the following is what he calls us to do. That's where our life comes from. See, following Jesus was never meant to be easy. Read the Bible. I don't know where health, wealth, and prosperity preachers get there. I don't know what Bible they're reading. From the beginning to end, the people of God that love God fully suffered and died. Eleven of the disciples that were left after Judas hung himself, ten of those died horrible deaths, being more obedient and more sacrificial than anyone in this room will ever consider being. And the one, the one, and I love this, I love Peter, love Peter. God, Jesus has a conversation with Peter one day towards the end of his ministry, and he said, hey, you're going to die this way? <laughs> and Peter's like, oh. he didn't. He didn't beg for his life. He didn't say whatever. He's like, what about that guy? What about John? You going to kill that joker too? Don't, don't, just, don't just bring this. What about John? The one whom you love. 
<laughs> Jesus says, that, you know, if he lives to the return of, my, of the kingdom, my return, that's up to me. Like, you, you do your life and let me worry about him. And, and just for those that say, man, I want to be John. John was boiled in oil. John was exiled, shipwrecked, stoned. There's no part of his living life that was easy or comfortable. Jesus demands and requires everything for, from you. Every piece of your, your life. And hear this, hear this. The more you give to him, not the easier your life will be, the more the fulfilled you will be in him. Because the more you release these things that are pulling your heart into like stuff, and I talk about this all the time, like I love stuff. And I have this love-hate relationship with Amazon. Mostly love, um, probably needs to be more hate involved. Anybody else look for happiness in a box? I actually get mad at Jody sometimes when she opens the box. It's like there's there's few things I enjoy. Just give me the box. Give me the box. It could be staples for the church. It doesn't matter. I want to open the box. But at the end of this life, none of those things are ever none of those things are ever going to give you what your heart's desire. What your heart's desire is is to lovingly give your life to Jesus and let him use you as his tool to advance his kingdom. Because when we come to the other side of this life and stand before the Father, none of the Amazon boxes, none of the cars, none of the houses, none of your bank accounts will give Jesus any pleasure. Only what you do with those that influence the kingdom will matter anything in eternity. So here's my question. I'm going to invite our worship team up. I'm going to reverse John's question to you. Is he the one for you? And, and don't just like, yes, yes, we're in church. Yes, of course, Jesus is the one for me. I don't want to look stupid beside the person, the person beside me. Yes, yes. Because the implications that come with that statement, is he the one for you? should influence and affect the way you live outside of this room. Because if he is the one for you, that when you come to your moments of prison, like John is, where he's like, God is not fulfilling what I thought he was going to do, are you going to send messengers through prayer to go, God, are you the one or will there be another? What will you do when your expectations don't match What's going on? And the truth is, if we're honest, every piece of our life has a piece of that. Every piece. Even the things that have been good, you imagine that they would be better than the good that you got. Now, maybe there's some people in here that they, you just think your brain's wired different. You're like, oh, everything's amazing and I love God for it. But most of us, those tax collectors... In the room, we're not. We're struggling with the reality of what we thought God was going mean, to Let me just be completely honest. Uh, I love seeing all these faces in this room. And I'm excited about next weekend. Because I'm going I'm to, I encourage you. We're gonna, we have like 185 chairs in this room right now. 
we're going to cram about 250 chairs in this room, um, and we'll make room. We have we'll have we'll have chair um, in front row people. Like I need some faithful people. That's like I, pastor committed next week. I'm going to sit right here on the front. I need some people. We're going to add a row. There's going to be chairs everywhere in this room. We've got an invite card for you to take home and invite your neighbor. A little peep this, for those that are like, I got a snack there in church. Okay, you're supposed to give this to somebody. Um, we do have extras. So th- this is for this week. If there's an empty chair beside you and you have faith to invite as many people, you take as many of these invites as you see. There's a bag right outside the door that has another 20 to 40 in there. If you're like, man, I've got neighbors, I'm going to invite them. You grab as many as you have. Don't feel bad about it. You take them because after today or next weekend, there's no value in these because they'll get old. So take them with you. So this is the word, and I said this at the end of my message last week. Jesus said that if you're going to follow me, that to, to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow. And we forget the reality of what that is. The cross, which we understand, but lots of us wear a gold cross around our neck, and it's become a symbol of hope, which it is. But these words were spoken, and the cross was not a symbol of hope. It was the very worst torture that you could have experienced. And what he's saying is you pick up your death. You pick up the things that you're going to have to die to, the expectations that you're carrying right now, and you're judging God's goodness because of fill in the blank. God is good, and he will surprise you with his goodness. But our expectations cannot rule how we feel about our king. So is he the one for you? My, my heart for you today as we go into this last song, and what I'm going to pray for in just a second. You know, we did communion <clears throat> last week, and we talked about this reality that we need to be reminded of what he's done for us. Now, I'm not talking about being re- rededicating your life, but... We have to be in this place that we're constantly affirming to ourselves that we are his kid. We have to tell ourselves the truth that he's already spoken to us. I heard this statement. Um, I'll steal it from somebody else. It says, never doubt in the darkness what you heard clearly in the light. And some of us are living in places of darkness that you need to be reminded of who God says you are and who you are in him. And so today could literally just be a reaffirmation of that reality that I am his child. And with his child comes a full inheritance. It doesn't mean that my bank is going to be full right now or my ailments are going to be gone. It means that I'm his child and I'm going to spend eternity with him. And I'm going to give my life in this world to proclaim his name so that others have that same opportunity for me. Maybe today... It's just saying, God, I've, I've pretended and played. I've been like the kids, like he compared the generations to. The kids that were sitting in the marketplace. I played Christianity for the first 18 years of my life. I went to church every Sunday, went to youth group when I could. I played church basketball. 
did all the church things that you could do, and I could vocalize who Jesus was. I could tell people, yes, he died for our sins, and yes, I was saved, but I didn't know him. I was, I was not surrendered to him as Lord at all until I turned 18. And for the last, I don't want to try to do math in my head, for the last over 20-some years, I've just been going, God, I want to follow. I want to be yours. I'm in this city because God said to come to Leland. And I'm going to be in this city doing this thing until he takes me away, which I don't plan to be anytime soon. (laughs) For those that are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. One day we're going to be out of this building and in our own. If you want to continue to pray for something, and I have an expectation that hasn't been met in 10 years, is that we'll have a building, we have land. Um, At one point we're going to own a place, but until then we will proclaim the name of Jesus. And we will pray for this business, this nonprofit that we rent their building for and bless them for what they allow us to do here on Sunday morning. So I'm going to pray. Um, So bow your head. Father, you know what's in our heart. You know what we need this morning. Some of us just need to acknowledge that we still want to be your children. We still want to declare with our hearts that you are the one. There is no other. And Lord, I pray that you would cause us to live in a state of repentance for every other area that we've tried to put above you. Nothing will satisfy like you. And Lord, forgive us for chasing things. Forgive us for pretending at times. When you just say, I I want you. I want you to be my child. Lord, there's grace and mercy to be had and received for those who aren't trying to save themselves, aren't trying to do the work so that they can earn your love, but those that come to you humbly, say, Lord, I've messed it up, but I trust that your son went to the cross to pay the penalty, that he was the the final lamb to be sacrificed. Lord, we're going to believe John's word. It says, behold the lamb of God that come to take away the sins of the world. Lord, that is what we want, and that's what we declare that you are. You are that to us. So, Lord, help us live in a way that is honoring to you, but with grace. With grace as we we sometimes stumble and fall on our way to being obedient to you. Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts. Lord, as we go into this last song, Lord, I pray that you would just call people. Lord, I, I pray that they would hear the words, Son. that they would in just a few moments just experience the grace that you give. And Lord, we more than ever need the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can live. Lord, we we pray that the Ezekiel prayer when you were talking about the people of God that you would remove their heart of stone and that you would put a heart of flesh so that they can be obedient. Lord, you have to change your hearts so that we can follow after you. So Lord, thank you for your continued 
Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.